we're actually going to do is we're going to spend some time in uh, communion together with the Lord. So that's that's exciting. Um, just before we get started, um, we won't do lots of announcements today. We know it's an unusual day to to get together and have churches on New Year's Day. That doesn't happen very often. Um, but uh, just for the parents to know, uh, there is just behind Elise at the back here, there's a table covered in things. So if your kids do need something to do, there are some activities ready to go for them. Um, of course, there's no kids men on, so parents don't freak out. If your kids make noise, uh, we all get it. Um, we'd rather have you here with us. Um, let's, let's, let's kick off this year by by participating together in this, this wonderful thing that Jesus has given to us to remind us that we belong in him. Um, this is what it says in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 26. It says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Hey, New Year's Eve is a thing, isn't it? We, we have this routine that we do every year where we, um, we stay up silly late. Uh, we, we, we ring in the new year with as much enthusiasm as we can bring. Um, it's, it's a party. Um, but it's also a time when people stop and reflect and they, they, kind of, um, they kind of think about what things am I going to get into in the new year? How is, how is this next coming year going to be different from the year previously? For example, like I, I go to the, the gym, I'm sure you've all noticed, and um, it's, just, it's just so crowded right now. There is just like a thousand people who aren't usually there, and I guarantee you they will not be there by February, they'll be gone. That is the New Year's gym crowd. Um, we all have some version of this, this thing that we look forward to in the New Year. Uh, when establishing communion, um, Jesus calls our attention to a future time um, that he wants us to live in light of. He says that he's going to drink this cup with us. He's going to drink the new wine with his people in his Father's kingdom. And isn't that a day to look forward to? Each, each time we gather and we, we take this symbol together, we are looking forward to a time when we will, face to face, experience what we experience in part. And so this, this symbol given to us by Jesus, given to his disciples, is a thing that Christians do. If you're here today and you are a believer in the Saviour, Jesus Christ, you have come to belong to him, you're welcome to take this symbol with us. Um, if that is not you yet, I'd, I'd encourage you to wait until you have the real thing before you have the symbol. Um, but we're going to, we're going to take this, this um, bread, which symbolises the body of Jesus, and we're going to take this cup, which symbolises his blood, uh, and we're going to thank him that he's with us now. And we're going to look forward to our future certainty that he has won for us. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll hand out the elements, and then we'll take them together. Jesus, we thank you for all that it means to be included in you, to be found in you, and to, be, uh, to, to have our, our fortress and our rescue and our safety in you. We thank you that you came, uh, that you have come to save sinners like us, and Lord, we, we proclaim this morning as we take these elements that it worked, that we are in fact reconciled to you, our God, through the cross of life. Um, we thank you that your grace is for us, and not just your grace, but also your presence. We thank you that you are here with us as, as this food enters our body and, and nourishes us and becomes part of us, Lord, we have found in you. 
Father, we look forward to that day when, with you, in the Father's kingdom, we will take this meal again. Us and everyone who has ever believed throughout the whole of history gathered together in a celebration meal with you face to face. Uh, that is going to be quite a day. Lord, that day is certain, and we know it. And we pray that you help us to live in light of that day. Would that hope guide us into this new year? Would it shape us and give us strength and give us perseverance, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you spend some time in quiet reflection and prayer and continue and we'll get the elements out and then we'll take it all together again.
for this bread, which reminds us of your body broken in our place and for our sin. And as we eat it, Jesus, we pray, thank you for your body. established a covenant, a promise between you and us that that future day is certainty for us who are in you. Jesus, we thank you for your blood and the promise it brings. So if you have a Bible handy, um, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40 this morning. Because that's what you're thinking when you're heading to church this morning. We're going to church on New Year's Day. Everybody's really tired. Everybody who went out last night. So of course, what we're going to do is a big chunk of Old Testament prophecy just to wake everybody up. Um, it's so immediately easy and accessible. Um, you'll see why in just a moment while we're there. Um, look, here we are, the beginning of a, of a new year. I don't think there's much of a better way that I can imagine uh, to start 2023 than to gather together in the worship of our God, to call on his name together and be reminded of his promises for us and to us. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like, um, at least the Maloney family, that we stumbled over the line at the end of 2022. It was a bit of a, bit of a big finish to the year. It had been a big year leading up to that. Um, and different to the few years before that in how it was complicated, not... Not a repeat of what was previously happening, and yet still, I think, feeling the effects of what has gone on in those previous years. Um, in this church, we, we usually have a routine, which has been to let things um, kind of wrap up, our usual church routines kind of wrap up towards the end of November. And then December is the Christmas crazy, we just get it done. It's just chockers with Christmas stuff. Um, and then in January, we kind of intentionally stay quiet. We don't do much. There's no programs on. Our Bible studies haven't kicked off yet. Um, most of what's going to be happening in the life of our church in terms of what church is organizing is here on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning and evening as we, as we observe the Lord's Day. Um, and until February, none of those extra things are really going to take off. I mean, the, the leadership team will have a retreat somewhere towards the end of the month. Um, but what that really means is that in the routine of our church's normal life, January is about putting fuel back in the tank. That's, that's what we use this month for. It's about um, putting the wheels back on the wagon that fell off at the end of a busy, a busy year. It's about taking that devotional life, which got put to the wayside because of busyness, which is never a good idea. We all do it all the time because we're silly. Um, and it's about getting that back in order. Um, it's about reinstating healthy routines that have fallen apart and getting ready for a year of ministry ahead of us. And so in order to help you with that, over the course of this next month, we've got a series kicking off today. We'll be taking up the whole month of January, um, which we've gotten called Rest in Jesus. Rest in Jesus. The idea is this. Jesus is the source of our rest and of our strength. Jesus is our hiding place 
and our refuge. He is our fortress and our deliverer. Jesus renews our strength. And so when we are tired, when we are needing to rejuvenate, when, when what we need uh, is, is more and more and more of something, more fuel, what we actually need is more of Jesus. That's, that's, that's the easiest, um, that's the, the greatest need that we have. We need to draw near to him as he ministers his grace to us and find rest. That's, that's where rejuvenation comes from. Uh, and there are any number of biblical passages um, that call us to rest in God because of who he is, because of what he has done, what he is doing. Uh, and each week over the course of this month, we're just going to pick out one of those many passages that calls our attention to something about Jesus which leads us to rest in him. And this week, we are going to be looking at the greatness of God, which is why we find ourselves in the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 40 is a passage about letting God be God. Uh, this is a know-who-God-is kind of message that the prophet delivers to us. Because when we see God properly, we respond properly, uh, and this passage finishes with a promise. It's going to take us a while to get to the promise, so let's read it up front. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says this. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Does that sound good to you? That sounds good to me. Renewed strength. Uh, a lack of weariness. The ability to persevere. I want those things. Well, let's dive into our passage and see what it is about God. Uh, that creates those things in us. Now, to get there, really quickly, let's understand what we're about to read in terms of its context. Um, quick reminder of just who Isaiah is. The prophet, uh, the prophet Isaiah and his ministry during a dark period of Israel's history. His life occurs at the beginning of the end of Israel as an independent nation. His job was to warn Israel of God's coming judgment before it happened as a result of their idolatry. And so he spent much of his life being the bearer of bad news. I, it's like, I, I joke with pastor friends all the time about um, how just because the thing that you're leading isn't going well doesn't mean that you've been unfaithful. Right? Isaiah is a great example of this. His faithfulness to God was to warn a people who were going to be punished no matter what he did. Okay? Um, we all agree very quickly, yes, that's true, and yet still, nobody wants to be Isaiah. That is not, that is not a, like, imagine that in the, the bulletin of, like, positions available. It's like, we're looking for an Isaiah to come and warn us of our sin that we're going to continue in until we get punished. Just doesn't sound like a great job. Uh, the predictions, the warnings that Isaiah delivered were correct. And during his lifetime, the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria and completely annihilated. Never to be seen again. Uh, and then not much longer after that, the southern kingdom was conquered by Babylon and taken away into the exile. The exiles would eventually return to the promised land, but they would be continually under the control of foreign powers right up until the time of Jesus, right up until modern times, really. However, the ministry of Zion was not limited 
to the role of warning only. He also prophesied about the time that would occur on the other side of the exile. He promised, he prophesied a future restoration on the other side of judgment. And these restoration promises apply to a time well after the life of Isaiah himself. They lay in the future at the time these promises were delivered. And so what these are is a, a message to a people who would live their entire lives, some of them, in exile, feeling helpless, feeling defeated, waiting for a deliverance that they could not bring about themselves. Those restoration prophecies in the book of Isaiah largely begin in Isaiah chapter 40, where there is a noticeable change in tone. It begins in verse 1, for example. Comfort. Comfort for my people, says your God. Now, the next part of the passage is, is very familiar to us as Christians. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places as a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Picture, picture the people that these messages were intended for. They're for us too, but I mean the people in the exile, the original audience. What would their view of the world that they were living in have been? Can you imagine it? They had heard of the one true God. They believed themselves to be his covenant people. They understood that they had been turned over into a period of exile as a result of their unfaithfulness. They were familiar with these promises of a future restoration because the promises had been given before the exile. And yet, connecting these promises to their present circumstances, how could that not have been a challenge as they lived far away from the promises of God, it felt. But they wrote songs about it. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we are in a foreign land? How about you, Christian? Where do you find yourself today in your walk with the Lord? The circumstances that we are living through are challenging. Sometimes it is difficult to connect the promises of God, which we know is a certainty. We've just heard one in communion. It is, it is difficult to connect the promises of God with our present circumstances. We get tired. There's a lot of weary saints here this morning. And discouraged. I don't know about you, but my automatic response to all of those things is, you want me to say prayer? It's not. It's worry. Worry. I stiffen up my jaw, I try and tough it out, and it takes an effort at times for me to bring my circumstances before God in order to find rest. It's just not what I want to do all the time. And in our passage for today, God speaks to a tired people, and he announces who he is. He describes his sovereign control over the course of nations. 
History is marching to the beat of his drum. It's a put you in your place kind of passage. But God does this for a reason, not to crush us, but to release us. To call us to let God be God and to stop putting ourselves in his place. To trust him. And in doing so, to find rest. Let's take a look. I'll read right through from verse 9 to the end of the chapter. And then we can dissect. Isaiah 40, verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with you. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge? and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it. And a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. 
who created these things? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Who do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's a good message, isn't it? I don't really need to preach it. It preaches itself. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a long passage. Let me quickly pull out a few themes that we can take away as reminders. Brothers and sisters, we are to rest in Jesus because he is mighty. He is mighty. That's the major theme of the passage, isn't it? We see it in so many places, but let me just pull out a few choice ones. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Verse 14. Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. How many stars are there? I don't know, I can't count them He calls them by name. And by his will, not one of them is missing. Christian, did you know that your God is mighty? When I say that, that our God is mighty, I do not mean that he is stronger than most. That's not the way in which he is mighty. His might is of a kind, which means that it changes the course of nations according to the pattern of his will. What causes you distress in this world? What is it that has exhausted you, sir? Which problem is it that sits at the forefront of your mind? 
Surely one of our problems as people is that we fail to connect who he is with our present situation. Imagine it with me. What causes you distress? You can pick one, you can pick them all if you're really under the, under the pump. Maybe it's money. There's lots of reasons to be stressed about money in our current world. Maybe it's the state of the world in general. There's lots of things happening in the, in the world which are less than ideal. Maybe it's family problems or health problems or relationship problems or job problems or church problems or the greatest problem of all I carry my sin and the guilt and shame that it brings and it's eating at me some of you are thinking yeah I got the full house what do we do with these problems we chew on them we fret over them they run away in our minds we think about them in catastrophic ways how could the world possibly be green again on the other side of this dilemma? We lie in bed thinking over how it is that we are going to be the solution to our problems. We despair at our inability to solve it when the solution does not come immediately. And for many of us, it takes an age before the idea of praying over our problems even occurs to us. If I sincerely believe that this thing which worries me was within his control, that changes everything. Do you realise who we are talking about? Who is in control. If I am worried about money, my problem is not that God does not have enough money. For some reason, which I don't even need to know, if God has seen fit to lead us into a time of scarcity, that does not mean things are out of control. God is mighty and he knows my needs and he will deliver in due time. If only we knew who he is, who it is that we walk with, who it is that we worship, who it is that we trust, how free we would be. Do you see how far this goes, this principle goes? the Israelites that this message was for. A people in exile and slavery. As far as their immediate world is concerned, everything has gone wrong. There is, I would wager, nothing in any of our lives as extreme as what they were going through. We live in a blessed land. And the message of his might applies in their situation. Fret not. The Lord God is mighty. And so surely it applies in ours. God is mighty. Which means God is able. 
if he can direct the course of history, if he can measure the oceans and weigh the mountains in the palm of his hand, if he can number the stars, do you really believe? Is your faith so strong as to claim that your problems are too big for him? Please understand what I'm saying. There's a misunderstanding here. I'm not saying your problems are small. I'm saying God is bigger than your problems. If we believed that we were held in strong arms, it would move us to rest. Even in the trial. Brothers and sisters, this is a good year for us to find our rest in Jesus. He's mighty. Here's the next thing I want you to see. We need to rest in Jesus because he is kind. He's kind. Verse 11. How precious. He. Let's stop and just, just, like, just quickly just remember who that he is. The He, the Mighty One, will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with Yeah. Perhaps this is our issue. Perhaps we can understand what kindness means. And maybe we can even understand what strength means. But isn't it so much harder to understand those two things together? Kindness and strength. In this world, the mighty use their power for selfish gain. They oppress, we fear them. But our God uses his strength to bless us with his kindness. There is a rest to be found in the strong compassion of God that cannot be found anywhere else. Here's a good example. My middle child, Ayla, is five years old and has reached that age where whenever we get home in the car anywhere after 5pm, she will pretend to be asleep in order to convince me to carry her to bed. That illustration is familiar to basically everybody. Anyone here who knew their dad growing up probably has that same memory of pretending to be asleep to get carried. Now, now here's the thing about that situation. She's not really asleep. She is pretending to be asleep because she wants the thing to happen. And I know she is pretending. And she knows that I know she is pretending. And I know that she knows that I know that she is pretending. And she knows that I know that she knows that I know that she is pretending. And yet she keeps pretending. It's kind of strange using solstice to describe a five-year-old. Why? What is so appealing about that moment that we would both willingly enter into this Fast in order to have it. 
It's general strength. That's what it is. That's, that's why it's appealing. There is something about being enfolded, carried, in arms stronger than your own. That makes that memory precious for every one of us who has it. Did you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord your God loves you like this. His people, he carries you. His great strength, his incomparable might has been bent towards your benefit. He is serving you, even now, interceding on your behalf, directing the course of nations to bring about the blessing of his people and the greatness of his name. The Lord preserves us. The Lord shelters us. The Lord carries us. It is the Great One who protects you. So rest in Jesus, because he's kind. Which brings us to the promise. We rest in Jesus, because he gives strength. He gives power to the faint, verse 29. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall faint, walk and not faint. Understand what this is promising. This is not promising a life without difficulty. It is, pro- it, it is, a, it is the promise of a life with a strength that goes beyond your difficulties. That no matter what the circumstances of your day are today, that there is an external strength which is yours in Jesus. A strength which is not our own, a strength which is stronger than our strength, a strength which is given to us and renews us. Do you need that renewal today? I know that I do. There are two kinds of people in church today. There are those of you who have yet to become a Christian. And as a result, none of these promises are your present reality. And to you I say, when are you going to be tired of being tired? Are you weary of carrying your own burdens? Have you been exhausted by trying to defeat your own sin yet? Has futility been futile enough for you to look up and see what a gracious invitation our God makes? He invites you in. He invites each and every and all in. There is no exception to this invitation. He invites the many. If you would turn to him this day in repentance and faith, 
you would experience the beginnings of what it means for your burden to be removed and to walk in his likeness. The Lord God wants to renew you in his image. Go to him today and it's yours. To the Christian, I say, we know this. We have heard this before. Let's today be a day where you bring your burden to Jesus. There's something about us where we trust him in our salvation, and then in the course of life, we take things back. We, we, we cling to the things that we've been rescued from. I trusted him yesterday, but now I need to trust him again today, and it's, it's difficult again today to let God be God. But what a good day to do it. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Who it is that loves you? Let's lay our burdens at his feet together today and find rest. Would you pray? God, our Father, we come before you now in our weakness, in our distress, in our scarcity, in our lack, and in our worry. <laughs> Don't know that these gifts are as nice as gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's what we've got. Let me pray that we would have the good sense to hand them over to you. To, to let go of the vain sense of control that we all love to have. And in faith, in trusting that you are in control, in trusting who you are and what you do, would we find rest now? Father, there are so many things in my life which I can't fix. And I would like to fix them. There's just too much of much going on. And I know that there is something in me which wants a self-sufficient solution to those problems, and I see it in my prayerlessness. I see it in my dryness. I see it in my distance from you. Lord, thank you for remind us, like this one, your own words delivered through a human mouth, that you give strength, that the one who trusts you is redeemed. We ask that you would help us to trust you now. Jesus, you really are who you say that you are. That's too great to even comprehend. Great one. Would you carry my burdens and my sorrows? Would you bear my sin and my shame? Would you set me free from pretending to be God? And would you and you alone be my God? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.